So if you're just joining us over the past couple of weeks, um, we're at the very end of a message series that we're calling Generosity. And uh, for three weeks, we've been looking at some of the practical truths, some of the practical principles that are found in God's word uh, that deal with giving and generosity, as well as uh, motivating our church to continue to grow in the ministry of giving. You know, there are over 2,000 verses throughout God's word that deal with money, uh, possessions, giving, and generosity in some Way And in fact, Jesus taught more about money and possessions than any other topic in the New Testament. So I, I think we would all walk away uh, from that saying, this is an important topic. Amen? It's an important topic, and it should be talked about, uh, taught, um, lived out in our own lives. In Acts chapter 20, verse 35, the words of Jesus remind us that it is more blessed to give than to receive. It is more blessed to give than to receive. You know, when we talk about giving or generosity, I think typically we focus on this topic as a blessing to those who receive it, right? When we talk about generosity, we're excited to be on the receiving end of that. But if you follow Jesus's teaching in the New Testament or any of the New Testament writers, they tend to focus on the blessing that generosity offers those who extend it. That's a common theme that we see. And and I really think we all know this to be true, especially around this time of year, around Thanksgiving and Christmas. You know, this time of year, we gather around the dinner table with family and friends. It's a setting where there's so much joy in serving others, in extending generosity. I think about Christmas morning for our family. Our boys are so excited to wake up. We meet around the tree uh, where gifts are given, uh, received, and unwrapped by the people that we love. You know, I'll be honest. I I used to love receiving gifts so much as a kid. I mean, I I could barely sleep at night when Christmas morning came around. And I don't know why, but it's like that waiting period is longer than any other day throughout the year. It really is. And it's, it's kind of the same way for Thanksgiving dinner, man. I get excited about food. That's... I think that's my love language. It just might be. And, and I'm still excited about receiving gifts. But, you know, as I've, as I've gotten older and, and Faith and I have started a family of our own, there really is nothing greater than giving good gifts to your kids or giving good gifts to the people that you love. And it, it really puts this truth that Jesus taught into perspective that it's more blessed to give than to receive. Well, today we're going to pick up where we left off last week, and we're going to do so by looking at the last two generosity principles that the Apostle Paul gave to the church in Corinth. But before we do that, I want to do a short recap with you this morning of what we talked about last week. So you'll notice in your bulletin notes that the first two generosity principles are already filled in, and that's because we talked about those last week. The first generosity principle that you'll see is that you harvest what you plant. You harvest what you plant. This extremely important principle is found in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. And this verse, uh, this is what we read. It says, remember this. So right away, the Apostle Paul is saying, this is something we should remember. Church, we should remember individually and as a church, as family. He says, remember this. A farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop. But the one who plants generously will get a generous 
crop. We were reminded last week that in the first century, it was really common for teachers to use these agricultural illustrations um, to help teach important scriptural truths. Um, so here you, you have the Apostle Paul using one of these illustrations, and he's, he's doing so to remind the church about the importance of generous giving. You could say about the, the ministry of giving, because giving is a ministry according to God's word. He talks about generosity and giving in terms of sowing and reaping, or how I would understand it, and I think most of us would understand it, uh, planting and then harvesting. And again, he's reminding the church that when, when we plant sparingly, either individually or, or as a church, we can expect a small harvest, all right? No farmer in their right mind would plant sparingly, plant only a few seeds. They set out to plant as much as they're able, and they expect a, a large and healthy harvest. And Paul's saying when we plant generously, we can expect a generous harvest, So Paul's reminding his readers that a person or a church who is stingy with their wealth is like a farmer who plants sparingly. They they plant only a few seeds. But the individual or the church who is generous with their wealth is like a farmer who plants generously. It's important to understand that Paul isn't commanding Christians to give a certain amount. He's not standing over you, beating you with a stick, saying, this is what you should give and how you should do it. Instead, he's challenging the church to look for opportunities, to look for ways um, that we can be generous. Uh, Generosity is something that the church should be known for. He's saying those who plant generously are going to harvest generously in terms of bearing fruit for God's kingdom and in many other ways that we're going to actually talk about today. You know, Scripture encourages God's people to be uh, generous spiritual farmers. And I asked you last week if we had any farmers in the group, and we didn't get any hands raised, but we do have people who grew up in a farming family. And uh, there's an important truth this morning that in Christ, um, you might not be a farmer as a profession, but um, you are a farmer in, in the kingdom of God. You're, you're called to be a generous spiritual farmer. This is a part of the job description that God's given us as individuals and as the church. So the second generosity principle that we talked about last week was that generosity is a choice. It's a choice. See, this principle is found in verse 7. If you're, if you're looking at your Bibles this morning, we read these words. It says, you must each decide in your heart how much to give. He's saying you must each decide in your heart how much to give. And then he says something, I think this is so key for this this principle of generous giving. He says, don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. We We should never give reluctantly or in response to pressure. He says, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. So God's word teaches that giving and generosity is a choice and that we should never give reluctantly or in response to pressure. You're never going to receive a phone call from someone on our staff or one of our elders asking if you gave this month. Can I get an amen for that? <laughs> because that's not how we're called to give. And, and, and Paul starts to put the pieces together here. He said, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. See, the amount that a person gives um, should never be a source of pride for an individual or a family, and it should also never be a source of embarrassment. And that's because the amount is not really 
the point. The point is the why and the how or the motive behind our giving. The amount is never the point. That's not what Jesus taught, and it's not what the Apostle Paul taught or any of the other New Testament writers. The, the point is the why or the motive behind our giving. But Paul's saying when we do give, and, and we should, we should be uh, generous spiritual farmers, that, that we should give generously, we should give cheerfully, you know, from a place of joy, not reluctantly or under pressure. He says you should give of your own free will. It's a, it's a choice. And we should give for the glory of of God. I reminded us about an important truth last week that certainly applies to giving and generosity, but it also applies to the rest of our, our walk with Christ. And that is that God can do so much more with my surrender than I can do with my control. We talked about this a little bit in our uh, Sunday school class that I was a part of this morning, uh, that control actually being an, an idol for us sometimes, wanting to control everything. And, you know, the, the Christian life is really the opposite of that. It, it's a life of surrender. It's a life of, of letting the one who is supposed to be in control be in control. And that's not us. And I'll be honest with you, I'm grateful for that. There's so many things in my life that I feel like I have control over, and sometimes it's just, it just wears you out. Amen? I mean, it does. And how freeing is that to know that even in the area of, of giving, that this ministry of generosity, that we can surrender that control. We can allow God to do what only he can do. So today we're going to talk a little bit more about that. And we're going to start with the first generosity principle for uh, today. It's the third one in our list, but the first one that you'll fill in. And that is that um, generosity is the path to blessing. Generosity is the path to blessing. In 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 9, verses 8 through 10, this is where we, we see this truth highlighted. So Paul says, uh, and God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over, listen to this, to share with others. As the scriptures say, they, f they share freely and they give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. And then I love verse 10. Uh, Paul says, For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Or you could say a great harvest of generosity through you. So I think as, as generous spiritual farmers, we don't even have to come up with the seed. We just have to spread it. I mean, how cool is that? I, I hate going grocery shopping, partially because I get to the store and I get in trouble every time. That's why I'm not allowed to go. But I get to the grocery store and I'm just like, man, those like chocolate fall cakes that are shaped like uh, trees. Those, those look awesome. And, you know, the, the bag of chips. And, the, and all of a sudden we're over budget. I don't know what this has to do with anything other than we don't have to be the ones who provide the seed. We don't have to go shopping for these things. <laughs> and I'm grateful for that too. God is the one who provides the seed, just like my wife comes home and provides the food from Walmart or wherever it's from. I love you. I do. <laughs> you know, God's word is, is full of promises. 
that remind us about how our generosity to others will be returned to us. And it's returned to us. And this is the, the kind of the main point for today. It's returned to us so that we can in turn be generous. Another way to say this is that God's blessing and generosity flows to us so that it can flow through us. God's blessing and generosity flows to us so that it can flow through us. This is what Jesus demonstrated throughout his earthly ministry. And it's what's recorded for us in the book of Acts, chapter 20, verse 35, where we read, it's more blessed to give than to receive. You know, this word blessed is actually interchangeable with the word happy or joy. And that starts to make a whole lot of sense, especially earlier this year when we went through our series on the Beatitudes. You know, blessed is the person who? He's saying happy is the person who? Joyful is the person who? It's a kind of joy that the world can't take away. And, and I would agree with that, that it is more happy, it is more joyful to give than receive. You know, but sadly, this truth that generosity is the path to blessing, I believe this has been abused so often in churches from the pulpit. You could go home today, turn on your TV, and just about any time throughout the day, you could find a message that promises that you will receive more wealth if you would only step out in faith and give more. And the message ends there. I'm serious. You go home, you could turn on the TV. I would encourage you to turn it off right when you hear it because it's a false gospel. It's not true. And while I believe that God can and does bless people financially, the scripture is very clear on that. We shouldn't run from that. It's a truth that is given to us time and time again throughout God's word. This kind of message, when you, when you put a period at the end of that, it misses the point behind God's blessing in our lives. See, God's word doesn't call Christians to give generously so that we can become rich from a material perspective. That's not the goal. That's not the main idea behind that. God's word simply teaches us about the kind of life that God blesses. He blesses a generous life. See, giving generously from a cheerful heart of our own free will and for the glory of God, it brings God's blessing. That's a promise that God's given us in his word. But God blesses his people so that we can extend blessing and generosity to others. This is such an important truth throughout God's word. But I found just three verses today that are in context with everything else around them. But I just want to share those with you this morning. Luke chapter 6, verse 38. It says, give and it will be given to you. Good measure pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use it, it will be measured back to you. And you go to the book of Proverbs, the the book of wisdom, chapter 22, verse 9, it says, the generous will themselves be blessed, for they share their food with the poor. And then Malachi 3.10, a verse that I think is so familiar in the church and is so often misinterpreted and and misused because of the context that it had under the old covenant that God had with his people. So Malachi 3.10 says, Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And then listen to this. God says, Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. This is the only time that I've seen in Scripture that God says, Test him in something. We're actually not supposed to do that, except for here. He says, Test me 
And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. So again, these are just a few verses that highlight the promise that God blesses the generosity of his people. Now this is important for us to understand today. It's not our place, it's not my place to determine what that blessing will look like. It's not our place. Our responsibility as followers of Jesus is to receive God's blessing with thankfulness, with gratitude, and then to use every good thing that God has given us for kingdom work. Amen? That's everything. And the Bible says that every good and perfect gift is from above. It's from God. So we should actively be looking for ways that we can use the things that God has given us for his glory. I think about our homes, our income. Our, our cars, the, our time, our talents, our treasure. I mean, it goes down the list. We should be actively praying and thinking about how we can use these things to further the kingdom of God. And then, man, the door is blown wide open and the, the, the possibilities are endless for how we can be used as kingdom workers. It's amazing. It truly is. It, because there's a shift that happens in our mindset from from a mindset that, that thinks it's just it's a scarcity thing, it's I don't have enough to share, to an abundance mindset that God's the one who provides and I can use these things for his glory and for the good of other people. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, Paul uses the example of a seed. And a seed, I don't know what kind of seed he was using here. I don't think it was a mustard seed. We talked about that a little bit last week. But he uses the example of a seed, which is, is tiny, to show us that the resources that God gives us are not meant to be hidden or selfishly kept to ourselves. They're they're given to be planted. The resources God gives us are meant to be planted so that God can produce more crop through our generosity. You see, when we plant generously, when we give generously, God promises to bless us in so many different ways. Ways that allows us to continue to extend generosity even more. I believe that's why Paul talks about how generosity is is the path to blessing. God blesses and is generous in our lives so we can allow it to flow through our lives and we can bless others. The fourth and final principle that I want to talk about for for this series is this, that um, two good things always come from generous giving. And Paul lays these out. The first is that needs are met. And the second is that God is glorified. Two good things always come from generous giving. Needs are met and God is glorified. So in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 11 through 13, we're just kind of tracking along with what Paul's talking about. He, he says, yes, you will be enriched in every way. He doesn't limit God's blessing or generosity in our lives. He says you're going to be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. Are you seeing how we're connecting the dots here? How the purpose of God's blessing and generosity in our lives is so that we can always be generous. And he says, and when you take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. He says, so two good things will result from this ministry of giving. The first that's in your notes, Paul says the needs of the believers in Jerusalem will be met. And then two, they will joyfully express their thanks to God. And as a result of your ministry, they will give glory to God. For your generosity to them and to all believers will prove 
that you are obedient to the good news of Christ. Have you ever thought about the ministry of giving? It's an act of worship for sure, but have you ever thought about it in terms of being an act of obedience? That this is something that God has called us to do, but as we're led by his spirit, we get to choose how we extend that. See, God's people are encouraged to look for ways to be generous in every occasion. We, we should be known for that. People should look at us and say, you're crazy. Because the world tells us that we should uh, save and spend, and, and they kind of have a formula for, for what is, is right. And we look at God's worth, and he's saying, listen, I'm, I'm in control of this. I've got this. You're called to be different. You're called to respond to my promises and, and see See how I work. See how I move. See how I bless God's people through this ministry of giving. So when the church leads the way in generosity, as a result of generous, cheerful, and free will giving of its members, needs are met, and God is glorified. Those are the two things that Paul lists here. And I've often wondered when I read this passage, why are those the only two things that he mentions? He could have given us a list. And I think we could provide a list this morning of all of the, the benefits of generosity. You could stand up here today and share how your life has been affected and changed by the generosity of other people. But Paul lists two things. And I want to go a little deeper this morning with those. The, the first is that needs are met through generous giving. See, when we give generously to meet the needs of others, a few things happen. I believe that, number one, we allow God's blessing to flow through us so that others can also experience God's goodness and blessing in their own lives. When we're generous to meet the needs of others, we're generous from a place of abundance, with an abundance mindset, because we know that God is the one who provides the seed. I don't have to go to the grocery store and get it. Another thing that happens through generous giving when needs are met is that relationships are formed. Relationships are formed when we meet needs through generous giving. Faith and I were pulling up into our driveway yesterday. And I'm preaching on generosity today, so I should have been looking for ways this weekend to you know, put this into practice. Uh, so I pull into my driveway, and I'm going to tell you about an amazing reminder. So my neighbor, if you're facing my house, the guy that lives just to the right of me, I pull in, and he's got an open trailer in his front yard. And uh, if you've been over to my house, you've seen the tree in the backyard. This thing drops a ton of leaves. I mean, it's just crazy. I've never seen this many leaves in my life, and I'm about sick of leaves. It's so pretty when they're hanging on the tree, and then they fall. And God's like, now you got to pick them up. <laughs> and so this guy comes over, and, and he's like, hey, we've got this trailer. Do you have any extra leaves? And I'm thinking in my mind, like, I've got a backyard full of leaves, buddy. You don't want to get into this mess. All right, be careful what you volunteer for. But he said, I'd like to help you guys get your leaves picked up. And this act of generosity that at first I was kind of, you know, I'm not going to let this guy do this. I said, let me go inside and put some shoes on and I'll come out and help you. This simple act of generosity turned into an hour and a half conversation with my neighbor, a guy that I only knew by name before that. And now we know some pretty intimate details about each other's life. And I'm not saying this guy's going to be my best friend. But man, what a way to reach out and extend generosity and serve someone right next door. You know, we, we've said this before. We live in a society where we pull in our driveway, we shut the garage door behind us, and then we go in. This guy was out in his front yard, and man, we had an amazing conversation. So relationships are formed. And, and I would say these are typically healthy 
and biblical relationships because they start by serving the other person. Man, what a way to begin a relationship with someone. Another thing that happens when needs are met is that uh, when, when needs are met, people are more open and receptive to the gospel. You know, our mission as individuals and as a church is to spread the good news of Jesus and to make more disciples. And, and we overcomplicate that so much, so much to the point, I don't know about you, but sometimes I just feel like I got to take a breather. It's like, why are we doing so many other things that don't really matter? <laughs> We're called to extend the good news, to spread the gospel to people who need Jesus. And we're called to make more disciples. We're called to love God and love people. It's simple. But we overcrowd it with other things. And, and I believe through this ministry of giving, when we meet needs, people are receptive to the gospel. In fact, as we look at the entire story of God's word, I see God using his people through the ministry of giving so that others would have an opportunity, so the wall would come down and they could come to know Jesus personally. Generosity is a powerful tool for the advancement of the gospel. I don't know if you've ever thought about generosity in those terms, but God uses it to reach others for Christ. Another great story, Faith and I were in a small group three years ago and uh, it was a young adult small group. We were the oldest in that group, which is kind of weird because now there's like college students and young families having kids. And Faith and I are finding that we're usually like the oldest in that group now. It's really weird. It's, it's, it's a weird feeling. But we're in this group. And uh, one of the ladies who was in our group, her name is Tina. And Tina is a single mom, recently single at this point, and she has two young boys. And Tina made it a a priority to bring her kids to church um, every single week and to be a part of this small group. And in in this group, just getting started, you would have no idea the kind of life storms that Tina was going through. She was going through a lot of messed up stuff, a lot of stuff that you shouldn't have to go through alone. And, And I think that's why she was there. One of the things I remember about Tina is she never asked for anything. She never asked for handouts, never asked for money, never asked for someone to take her kids for the afternoon. She could have done that, and we would have stepped up and been there in a heartbeat. But as we got to know her uh, through this group, we learned that she had some pretty real needs. And this small group, they just decided themselves that they were going to be used by God uh, through this ministry of giving. And they decided for Christmas that year, they were going to take care of every single need that she had for her kids. She was working multiple jobs, barely got to see her kids. But again, she made sure they were in church and made sure they were surrounded by God's people. And they came together collectively without her knowing and decided that they were going to meet this need. And then a couple other people in the church heard and they participated as well. And it was, it was one of the most beautiful things that I've ever seen because she received this, but almost reluctantly, kind of like the guy wanting to pick up my leaves. It's like, I don't know if you want to get involved with this. And I'm sure she felt the same way. Like, guys, I don't think you understand what's going on in my life, the messiness that's going on. But they said, we don't, we don't care. We're going to love you through that. Man, it was so amazing. You know, when we give generously, uh, needs are met. And that's an important aspect of this ministry of giving. But there's another thing that Paul lists, and this is what we're going to close with today. And I think it's, it's quite possibly the most important thing. And that is that through generous giving, God is glorified. God is glorified. Second uh, Corinthians chapter nine, verse 13, the apostle Paul says, as a result of your ministry, they will give glory to God. All the praise goes back to him. 
It's not about me. Remember, it's not a source of pride or a source of embarrassment. What we give is is for the glory of God. He says, for your generosity to them and to all believers will prove that you are obedient to the good news of Christ. You see, when God's people decide that generosity is going to be something that they're known for, God is glorified. He's glorified because when we give generously from a cheerful heart, it's evidence that that individual family or church is in step with the Holy Spirit and looking at the life and ministry of Jesus, learning from him to live like him. That's what being a disciple is all about, is learning from Jesus to live like Jesus. When God's people lead the way in generosity, God is glorified because others will in turn joyfully thank and praise God for his blessing and for his provision in their lives. I believe there are very few callings that we have collectively as the church um, that shout as loudly as this one in the New Testament, that we are to be known for our generosity. And when we allow God to use us through generous giving, uh, needs are met and God is glorified. And then a whole list of great things happen because of that. So I have a few questions for us today as we conclude this series. And these are questions that are meant to be asked individually and also as families. The first question is this. um, Am I allowing God's blessing and generosity to flow to me so that it can flow through me? Am I actively participating in this ministry of giving? The second thing is, am I actively looking for ways to extend generosity to others through this ministry of giving? I don't know what was on this guy's mind before I pulled up in the driveway, but I'm pretty sure he probably thought about this ahead of time. It was almost like they were waiting in the front yard for us to get home. How often do we think ahead of time and pray ahead of time for how God could use us in this way? Like, God, I know generosity is important to you. Open up a door today for you to work through me to be generous to others. Man, let's, let's think about these things and pray about these things. The third question is this. Do others joyfully praise God because of our generosity? And I think that can be answered individually as families or as the church. Do others joyfully and openly praise God because of our generosity? These are important questions. So we've got these four generosity principles. And what are we supposed to do with these? Well, I think we're supposed to learn and we're supposed to apply. We're supposed to learn from God's word. And then when we go out these doors... We're supposed to apply them to our lives. We're we're supposed to ask the Holy Spirit to help us apply these to our lives in a very real way. You're going to be tempted today when you leave to have all sorts of things come into your your mind. All sorts of things come across your plate that we we think are important to maybe argue about or go back and forth about or, or put as priority. But, you know, today I really believe that if we could leave here today and just say, God, how would you call me to be generous today? Let's do that collectively as the church. You know, these principles, the first one, you harvest what you plant. If If we plant sparingly or scatter only a few seeds, we're going to harvest a little. And that's going to be evident in the church. You know, Paul's saying, hey, I can look down the road and I can tell you the result of how you choose to give generously. But if we plant generously, we harvest generously. 
And Paul tells us that generosity is a choice. We should never give reluctantly or under pressure. You should never leave this gathering or leave a small group or leave a time with, with other believers and feel pressured or obligated to give. You should give cheerfully of your own free will. And then Paul tells us generosity is the path to blessing. Again, God's word is full of promises about how God blesses his people through their generosity. And again, we don't always know what God's blessing is going to look like. And we really shouldn't try to guess that. That's not our place. But we, knew, we do know that God's blessing and generosity flows to us so that it can flow through us. That God blesses our lives so that we can be generous towards others. And then finally, those two things that Paul lists that are good results of generous giving. Needs are met and God is glorified. Man, church, let's look for ways to extend generosity, to meet needs through this ministry of giving. Because when we do, others are more receptive to the gospel. Relationships are formed and God is glorified. So my charge for us for this, this series as we wrap it up is that we would, we would lead the way when it comes to generous giving as, as families and as a church in our community. Again, begin to meet with your ministry teams and pray about ways that you guys can go above and beyond to extend gen- generosity and do so cheerfully of, of our own free will and for the glory of God. You know, I, I believe God wants us to be difference makers, difference makers through this ministry of giving.